listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 82 of the Testudo Times Podcast after another Slightly long absence, we are back with three people because there is so much news that we needed three people to talk about it. First up, hello again, Ryan. Hello, how are you guys today? I am all right. I mean, all things considered. Not a great day for sports journalism and sports media. We're recording this on <laughs> Wednesday. You probably know what that is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for all of us, it's a bit of a weird day because we're trying to get into an industry that's having this stuff. But we're talking about Maryland things, which is a lot happier. For once. For once. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yes, you just heard Thomas, who is also here. Hello, hello. You're yes. Too. I know. And you heard Jared, who is also, also here. Hello. You, you know, I've, I've never been on a four-person uh, podcast of any sort, I don't think, actually. Uh, you probably have. Weren't you on the AJ Francis one? Yes, you were. For AJ, yeah, you're right. That was. that was in September, so it's uh, understandable why you'd forget that. But I'm Yeah, my, sure my memory on only it. goes back to uh, about Thanksgiving. That's about it. <laughs> what did you want to lay it out of your memory from before Thanksgiving? What was so bad about it? Well, yeah, there were some things, but not everything. I'd, you know, Maryland maybe, maybe the... Once 4-0. Maybe the the Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska stretch could be what did it. I don't know. Uh, that might have been something. Yeah, I can I can understand that. So we have three people here, obviously, because there is so much news that we have to get to. We will get to all of the basketball news, and there's plenty of it. And then there's also spring sports, recruiting for other sports, NFL draft, all sorts of stuff. But we're going to start with football and the spring game. And there is stuff to talk about there. We'll get to the recruiting aspect in just a moment. But... Who wants to start talking about the spring game that I didn't watch? I might as well. Okay, Thomas, you can have the floor. Yeah, because a lot of people ended up not watching that. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, it was, you know, with, with Caleb Henderson out and with, you know, so J.C. Jackson. still doesn't technically exist because I haven't seen him play football yet. Sorry. I, I, I still have seen him play football. I know you but... have, but I haven't. So in my oh. mind, anyway, go okay. on. Um, but yeah, I mean, without, without him on the field, you know, the, there was def there was always going to be a lot less to take away from that game. Um, I mean, Pigram and Bortenschlager looked okay. Uh, neither one of them looked particularly great. Um, Brian Brand, you know, really didn't get a lot of snaps. It, it's clear that he's, uh, behind all those guys. Um, and, you know, otherwise I think, you know, DJ Turner, Tavon Jacobs, uh, two of the bigger, I guess, uh, stars of the game. And, of course, Lorenzo Harrison showed that he is still Lorenzo Harrison. And Maryland got, you know, a real impact player back. So um, I think generally a positive day for the spring game, although there were a lot of things that, you know, could have gone right that didn't. What but nothing, some of those nothing really went Nothing really went wrong, um, but, you know, it would have been nice to, for fans to see Henderson. It would have been nice if the weather was a little better, um, you know, thing, and a few, you know, fewer cornerbacks because I think like half of the corners were out with injuries of some sort. So, um, you know, those are all minor things, and no one is really going to miss a lot of time. But, you know, the, it, it was just a scrimmage. And so for something like that, you just hope nothing goes disastrously wrong and nothing did. And it's Maryland football, so you can assume that something might go disastrously wrong. Because, you know what, surprised it hasn't happened yet. But, I mean, it still is a spring game, Jared, and I believe you were there as well. What can you really take away from an intra-squad scrimmage, which is basically what the spring game is? Uh, you know, the big, biggest thing I took away, and Thomas sort of touched on it a little bit, was that DJ Turner and Tavon Jacobs played um, better than I personally expected them to play, and I think a lot of other people as well. Um, so with that, you know, wide receiver depth was kind of a question coming into the spring. Uh, you know, it was kind of DJ Moore and everybody else. Um, and to have those two guys step up, um, albeit against 
know, probably some second and third string defensive backs uh, for them to play the way they did uh, was very encouraging. Um, I also thought the offensive line looked better. Um, they were really, really bad at pass protection last year. And the defensive line was really pretty good at at least sacking the quarterback. Um, and, and they kind of canceled each other out for the most part. I think there were three sacks off the top of my head that I can remember. Um, but they were spring game sacks where the <laughs> defensive lineman gets close enough to um, maybe reach the quarterback with an outstretched arm and the whistle blows. So um, you'd assume maybe a couple of those weren't actual sacks in real games. So I think those were the two things would be wide receiver depth and, and the offensive line looked a little bit better in pass protection. The most notable thing that happened with the spring game is for players for Maryland, well, we hope they come to Maryland officially, uh, that aren't here yet and won't be here until next year. Jared, that's your area of expertise. It was a pretty big day for Maryland recruiting, getting a couple of big commitments right before the spring game. Yeah, it was it was huge. Um, and the thing is, is, is uh, you know, Maryland had one top 100 recruit in the 24-7 uh, composite last year, and that was Anthony McFarland. He was number 100. Um, Austin Fontaine um, is the 69th ranked player in the country. That's um, nice. At any position. That is, it's nice to... to God, uh, God damn it. Like that I, sorry, board. we knew that was coming. We, I, I might be 23 and out of college, but I'm still in many ways a child. 23 is one-third of 69. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There it is. There it is. But anyway, he's, he's a, a top 100 player, and to have a player like that so early on in the class... Um, is really something that you you center a class around. Um, Maryland's got a quarterback on board already in Tyler DeSue, and then to add Evan Gregory, um, I guess minutes earlier, uh, right before Fontaine, um, who's another four-star player, is just kind of you know you you're building your class around two four-star linemen, one on the offensive line, one on the defensive line. Uh, which are a couple areas where you know Maryland to to be competitive in the Big Ten is really going to have to improve. So that was a big day, uh, a big couple pickups for Maryland, and the fact that they go to Dematha, which is you know as uh, as we know is essentially a a football factory. Um, it's you know, an everything is even bigger. factory, I think we can say. Yeah, it basically is an everything factory. Ryan, I guess the impact of the spring game is mostly going to be remembered by recruits committing, and that's very important, of course. We've always talked about on this show how Maryland has to recruit the DMV very well, and they're still doing it. And the fact is that they're getting really good recruits, even after a giant class like the one Maryland had last year, last year being the one from 2017. That's so weird to say. Uh, it still shows that DJ Durkin and company can recruit really, really well, and they're never taking their foot off the gas which means in a couple of years, the full effect of the DJ Durkin recruiting machine is going to show, and hopefully it shows in uh, Maryland's record at some point. Yeah, and I think it's it was interesting to watch because there's usually, you know, last year there was one weekend, the weekend that Kasim Hill and Cam Spence committed, that that was the big, like, wow, all right, Maryland's finally stepping up on this local scene, and, like, they're getting some two really good players as opposed, you know, they had picked up a three-star or two before then, but they they hadn't had that kind of weekend yet, and that's sort of, I think, something we were all waiting for. And it was interesting because I think Evan Gregory was a guy everyone kind of thought might come in at this spring game, but Jared, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Fontaine was, I mean, it's not like Evan was expecting him to commit at the spring game. That was a, I feel like that was a big announcement, right? Yeah, you're right about that one. Um, that's like, and... I mean, if you you really couldn't talk about a more perfect commitment because I mean Maryland needs, you know, whatever help they can get on the defensive line. That's if you wanted, you know, really if there's any position you'd want a player maybe to come in and day one really contribute for Maryland next year. I think defensive line would probably be the place you put them. I mean, sure you could argue quarterback, but say say Caleb Henderson has that thing under control, maybe we're okay there. I think. Um, Defensive line is really the position they need the most help at, and I mean, he seems. I obviously I haven't gone, you know, deep on Austin Fontaine, but generally, you know, you look at his recruiting rankings and you're like, yep, that's he's going to be good. He's going to be a guy who Maryland really needs, um, especially with. I mean, they're 
you got to think Cam Spence and Breon Gaddy might, you know, you, you figure they'll play a little bit as true freshmen, but uh, by the time they're sophomores, Maryland's going to need them to play very significant roles. And having a guy, having a true freshman like Fontaine, who can potentially come in and play right away, is is really big. At, like at the position that Maryland, you know, needs arguably the most. And with Gregory, uh, I mean, Maryland's offensive line recruiting recently has been spectacular for, for Maryland, at least. And uh, I think every year you can expect them, at least while Durkin's here, because even while Edsel is here, they're doing it, to get a couple blue-chip uh, offensive linemen. And as long as they keep doing that, mixing in a couple projects like Tyron Hunt, uh, who's just a giant person who you think can probably, you know, you can probably develop him into something. That's that's a big, that's obviously a very big deal as well. Absolutely. Uh, Jared, how does this set up now the rest of the recruiting class for this year? Because for some of us, uh, we see the big recruits and like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. But there's still probably a few openings and a few players they're targeting. So give us an idea of what is left for DJ Durkin and everybody on their checklist. Okay, so um, this class, just because of uh, scholarship numbers and, and limits per NCAA rules, is probably going to be... Um, Several players smaller than the last class, which had, I believe, 28 signees. I think we're looking at probably about 20-ish for this class, give or take two, maybe. Um, so what's left is you're probably going to look for um, some receivers coming in. Uh, Maryland signed, I believe, six of them in last class. Uh, and they're kind of just overhauling that position with taller guys who are more willing to run block probably first and catch passes second um, and be more threats to catch balls in the red zone and be more possession receivers. Um, so we're looking there. Don't be surprised if Maryland doesn't take a single running back in this class with the log jam they've got back there. Mm -hmm. They can afford to redshirt one or two guys from this in class and kind of extend their depth for a few years at that position. Um, they'll probably take a couple more guys in the offensive line, a couple more guys in the defensive line, and look to load up on defensive backs as well. Um, Maryland's in the mix for uh, a few pretty, pretty good linebackers, um, mostly from the area. They have one committed already from New Jersey and uh, Naheem Anderson. So, you know, that's kind of a position where Maryland's been – lacking but then again in dj durkin's uh, base nickel defense you only have two linebackers on the field at a time for the most part so you know i wouldn't look for them to take more than maybe two or three in this class um just so they can get some guys who fit that bill of, of you know a kind of a rangy quick linebacker who can cover a tight end and a running back out of the backfield. Um, not at the same time, obviously. Um, but to get a guy like that in there um, would be huge. So I think you'll probably look at, you know, probably a couple people at every position, probably except running back, obviously, and quarterback since they've got one already. Okay. Uh, so that, that's obviously good news. And uh, I don't think you'll see Maryland get as high in the recruiting rankings as they did last year because of the size of the class mostly, but they'll still be pretty high up there. And it seems that DJ Durkin and company really do well to get mostly, if not all of their targets, which is obviously a good thing and shows that they really are amazing at recruiting for a school that is, well, sixth or fifth in the Big Ten East, depending on how you grade it. Uh, Ryan, what's left for football before, I guess, practices and training camp start in August? Is there anything left? Well, I think I think you've pretty much just covered it. I think, you know, uh, from running the website last year, basically, the only football news you're looking for is really, you know, any coaching changes are, are done. You know, Jimmy Brumbaugh and Tyler Bowen, are they're in, and I can't imagine Maryland's really going to make any coaching changes anymore. Chris, uh, so really, assistant head coach now? Uh, yeah, associate head coach, nothing. That's, I mean... You know, titles disti distinction without a difference, really. But uh, there's now it's it's fully it's fully recruiting, and uh, you know the spring game gave us enough glimpses. Like they've, I mean, Thomas and Jared hit all the you know the big stories. I'm especially 
the the wide receivers are so interesting because uh, last year they were so senior dominant, except for DJ Moore, who was far and away the best receiver. And the Tavon Jacobs and DJ Moore are just so fascinating as as because Tavon Jacobs is, is I feel like calling him a prospect is appropriate because we've seen exactly one year of him, and he's he seems very promising. He's a guy that we'll probably talk about a lot more. Um, but there's really it's it's just got we're going to be so recruiting focused I think in the next you know since August, till August basically because that's that's the most interesting thing that's going to happen with this team and that's what I imagine you know DJ Durkin Walt Bell everyone that's what they're spending a lot of their time on doing right now is just is just recruiting and we will break news if there is news to break at any point in the next few months until August when football practices start again. Now we go to basketball, and there's a lot to get to for both teams. Uh, the first one is, and this story kind of got posted out of nowhere, uh, Justin Jackson's in the NBA draft. Didn't hire an agent, but he's in the NBA draft. The reason why we say this is surprising is because Maryland hasn't made an announcement yet. It was just posted on Draft Express's website, Ryan, and I at first thought it was a typo because there's another Justin Jackson in the NBA draft. What is going on here? Well, I think first off, uh, we this was something that, and our Matt Ellentuck was very he was very pro, like Jackson should just declare for the draft, and I definitely agree because he I mean Justin can declare for the draft and get feedback from scouts and go to the combine, assuming he's invited, which I imagine he will be, um, and that's there's no reason not to do that. You might as well just do that instead of just, you know, hanging out and doing nothing. I think you find out a little bit more of your future and it allows you to plan a little bit more for next year i think the idea that what matt and i have been discussing a lot is i mean jackson we all think he declares for the draft and it's it's fairly safe to think that he's declaring just for just to explore because just for the why not kind of purpose right but Mm -hmm. there's you never know what's going to happen once he gets to the combine you just need one team to be like you know what? We we guarantee you we're going to take a flyer on you if you're available in the late late in the first round. And Jackson would say that's that's good enough for me. I'm out. And I I think that's the less likely scenario. But he's so if if we all think he's possibly going to leave after next year, the idea that he could leave after this year should you know can't be impossible. It has to be something uh, everyone thinks about. And if if he does, Maryland is certainly in big trouble. Uh, but, you know, right now, smart move for him. Take, take as many steps as you can toward making real money because they won't pay you now. Uh, you know, I, I get it. I think it is the, the most interesting part is there was no announcement by Maryland. Is that he just kind of like ducked in there. Because, I mean, Maryland knew that we were going to find out eventually. Like, I feel like may, you might as well make an announcement unless he literally just decided yesterday to, yeah, I might as well. But I feel like that's probably not how it went. I, I, that's the most surprising thing. It's not that he did it because we all assumed for the flashes that he had showed this year that he had NBA potential. Uh, but the fact that Maryland hasn't announced it yet is really what surprised me. And it sort of came out of the radar. That's what I said when I saw that story yesterday. I was like, wow, this came out of nowhere, even if it's not entirely uh, surprising. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to declare. I don't think he's actually going to go into the draft fully because this draft is so insanely deep that while Justin Jackson is good, this might not be the year for him to get drafted, I don't think. Uh, I, I think some of you guys are going to agree with me. Thomas, you agree? Do you think Justin Jackson gets drafted this year? Because just by the depth of all the players that are coming into this draft, I just see it as somewhat unlikely. I think you're right. I think between the depth of this draft and, you know, Jackson hasn't really, you know, he wasn't really consistent in his freshman season. You know, he had some really good games and, you know, he put up some good numbers and then he disappeared for pretty long stretches. So I think NBA teams are probably going to want to see more of that, more of them, um, which isn't a bad thing. And honestly, if someone, you know, it's possible that he leaves, but, you know, I, I wouldn't expect him to jump a ton of people to get, you know, to the, this year's first round, which is really what he'd have to do. Um, yeah, he'd, I, I yeah, can't he'd see have him to make jumping for the second round. round, would you? I, I can't see that. No, no, I don't no, think no. he would. I don't think he would. 
There's so, um, many- so yeah, I mean, he would have to yeah jump a lot of people to do it in a pretty you know jump a lot of people in a pretty quick time to do it, and I, I don't think he does. I, I just you look at some of the names that are being mocked in like the twenty to thirty range of the draft, and it's insane how deep it is this year. So I don't fully see Justin Jackson declaring fully and i.e. hiring an agent. Uh, Jared, if he leaves, which is still pretty unlikely, but we have to assume that that is a possibility, how screwed is Maryland if he does leave? Because I'm going to go with, on my answer, uh, incredibly very screwed. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it, actually. Um, That would be really, really bad for... (laughs) for the basketball program next year, at least. Um, I think they'd probably rebound with, with a strong class of 2018 in recruiting. Um, but in the short term, if Maryland basketball has to play next season without Justin Jackson, quite frankly, they're just not going to be very good or win lots of games. Uh, there would be little to no experience and the roster would just be really thin you know that there's i get that tomayage redshirted and we don't really know what he's gonna bring but that's one player and unless he turns out to be some crazy in the yeah like and i really don't think that's gonna happen you know he's not gonna you know put the team on his back and and carry them um the way someone like mellow trimble had the the ability to so you know having basically this year's team without mellow without demonte dodd without lg gill whatever he contributed and then also without justin jackson plus a couple freshmen and a grad transfer who hasn't played in essentially two or three years at this point really um i i cannot see that going well at all in any way whatsoever. I totally agree. So let's talk about this this grad transfer, Sean Obi, uh, Ryan. This was another Duke transfer, as some Duke fans on Twitter decided to be snarky. Well, it's like, well, guys, you kind of forced a lot of good players out. So anyway, uh, he is coming in. He is a grad transfer, so Maryland has him for a year. It's essentially a stopgap while all they recruit for 2018, which is going to be a very important class regardless. Uh, what do you think he brings other than some much-needed depth to that front court? Well, I think the whole I, the whole Sean Obi thing was very interesting because he is just such a question mark. I think if you get a healthy Sean Obi, I imagine rebounding is the one thing. That's the one thing he comes in, and we feel like we feel like we know that he does that well. It's just so hard because he hasn't played like even that much basically as a college person. Um, you just don't know that much about him. Um, but he was good at rebounding when he did play. And, you know, if you're Maryland, I, get, I imagine you're hoping just for a little bit more because, again, even, even with Justin Jackson, Maryland's still looking – Maryland's still just missing a good portion of, you know, scoring. You know, without DeMonte, it's – not that DeMonte was an excellent rebounder necessarily, but you're still missing something down low. Um, you know, you're – I'm sure Mark Turgeon's rooting for everything he can get from this guy, just has – I mean, we can all think back to when he said we recruited LG Gill like he was Kevin Durant. Now we all might think that's kind of funny. Well, that looks really silly in retrospect, doesn't it? But also I think that, like, LG Gill was a question mark because he came from Duquesne and didn't really play down low. Sean Obey's a question mark because he just didn't play. I think, you know, the fact that he transferred to Duke has to be sort of like a plus, right? It's like, oh, if he went to Duke, if Duke wanted him, then he's probably pretty good. But you hoped he learned through osmosis. Basically. And 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 he, I mean, there could there are a lot worse places to sit on the bench and watch people play and practice basketball. So maybe he learned a lot of Duke. Um, it's just he's he's just it, we we really we really don't know. Kind of how last year, kind of our theme in the beginning of the of the year was we don't know what Maryland basketball is. I don't We're think not we, gonna know. we know even less this year. We know debatably less. We know, I mean, Sean Obi, you know, you give him the benefit of the doubt because well-meaning college kid, but you really you have no idea what he's gonna what he's gonna be able to do. 
you assume he's probably healthy enough by next October, November, um, that, you know, he's finally back. But I mean, you really, there's, there's just no way to know because you're projecting, basically you're hoping you get an improvement from what he had freshman year where he was very good with rice. Um, but all of a sudden it's four years later. It's, it's just so, it's just so hard to project. To you just project. want to get something out of him. I think that's what Maryland is going to get is like, he's a stopgap. He's, you know, he's a player you bring in because Maryland can afford to take those risks with the amount of scholarships they had available and the openings they had available. You just hope he pans out and gives you something because Maryland right now is in transition and they need something, anything. Also, also, if, if Justin Jackson does end up leaving, which we can all agree is unlikely, but it would, it would take, it would take a, you know, a vast like a very chain, change of the tide, essentially. It would take a very silly NBA team to do that. Is basically what I'm assuming. But I, I think it would be more. It would be more. He has a very good performance, and I would. I, I would say it wouldn't be one NBA team. I I'd say generally he'd elevate like his stock with everyone, and one team would be like, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll deal with that at the end a of the first round. A silly NBA team is essentially what you're saying. Uh, not not necessarily a silly NBA, NBA team. A team that has a spot that you know they might as well give to Justin Jackson because they. Feel like he'll be good. I feel like that's that isn't necessarily silly because yeah, if they say anyway, it, they, they could say it's gonna happen, but we we, yeah. we don't think it's going to happen. But there would yeah, it would have to there would be a change of course around there somewhere. But um, if if he did leave, all of a sudden that's also just another scholarship spot because you don't really know what Maryland's doing. Maryland has two free scholarship spots right now, and we don't really know what they're doing with. I was with about to ask Jared and Thomas this question. Jared knows a little bit more. It's, it's football recruiting, but he knows a bit more about basketball recruiting than the rest of us do. They have two open spots. What do you think they do with that? Because they can get another grad transfer uh, who would play this year and then leave. They could get somebody from who is still available on the 2017-18 market, although I don't know what kind of feelers they have in there. What do you think they do? Because they could easily go into next year with two scholarship spots available, then load up on 2018. Uh, I think that one of those spots probably gets filled uh, before next season. I'm still waiting for Mark Turgeon's late spring surprise uh, that he seems to pull <laughs> yeah, off every Jackson year. Yeah, just a late spring surprise. So there are certainly uh, there's certainly about a month left to make another surprise, I guess. Right, right. And there's still, I mean, look, MJ Walker is still available. Um, that's been one of the weirder recruitments to follow. Um, initially, there was mutual interest, and then he was uninterested, which led Maryland to not pursue. And then he was sort of interested again, and we had targeted other people, at, you know, so... It's it's kind of weird what's going on there. I'm not 100% sure how that'll end up working itself out. He took a visit to Virginia Tech last weekend, I believe. Um, so it's kind of weird on that front what's going on there. There are some people who are still uncommitted at the moment. Uh, in, in 2017, Maryland is has at least extended offers to a few of them. Uh, they're not really players that Maryland has had any significant connections to or anything to do with recently. Um, so what you may look for now is some kind of uh, grad transfer. And I, I don't even know what position they would add at this point. You could make the argument Still that... Still front Maryland, court, I'd assume, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, you could you could argue that Maryland needs... I mean, you, Maryland definitely needs another big man to at least fill some minutes um, and not, not be absolutely awful just kind of because <laughs> they need bodies. Not just body. Right. But I, I also feel like scoring is still a big thing that right. they're going to need. Right, which is, which is where I was going is that you might also look at it the other way and say, well, yeah, you know, we're not great at rebounding or protecting the rim, but we also – can't score and so you know mark turgeon might be thinking along those lines and and go out and grab a a scoring wing or or another person to handle the ball even um so 
to be honest with you, it, you could really fill any one of the five positions with either a high school kid right now or or a grad transfer. It's kind of wide open, and there's not a whole lot of buzz on any front that I'm hearing or reading. So it's I'm kind of just waiting for, for that random Mark Turgeon spring surprise to happen. It, we can continue to speculate on that, but I think the only thing we can agree on is that 2018 is going to be a very important recruiting class for Maryland basketball and that Mark Turgeon is going to do something that surprises us. Whenever that surprise comes, it has to happen before a certain date. I don't know what the drop-dead date is this year, but last year it was towards the mid-ish end of May before Memorial Day, so I'm assuming that's when it's going to be. Uh, I know, I know well. um, the uh, May 24th, I believe, is the day by which Justin Jackson has to say that he's coming back. Yeah, so that's a right. month from now. There's a lot of time in between while we wait for things to happen with regards to the men. But it's safe to say there are still a lot of question marks about how the roster is going to look next year. Many more than you would hope to have at this point in time, but that's what Maryland basketball is in right now. It is in an extended transition period. Thomas, who has been very quiet, uh, we're going to give women's basketball a chance to shine because there was a recruiting commitment for women's basketball as well, which helps considering half the team left or graduated. Yeah. Um, it, it's... You know, this probably couldn't have worked out better for him because, um, you know, after losing, you know, your point guard of the future in Destiny Slocum, one of the best freshmen in the nation, all that, um, you lose that, you know, at a time when, you know, because Maryland hadn't recruited the 2017 class very much um, because they were already going to have 13 players for next season. You know, they brought in six players for... 2016 and I think um and I haven't you know talked to Brenda much about this but you know I'm pretty sure they just kind of made the decision as a staff to you know focus on 2018 and kind of skip over 2017 but suddenly when um you know three players leave at once and your two best players graduate you know suddenly then that becomes you know kind of a kind of a shortcoming so then you know this this girl Shanice Lewis decommits from Illinois and you know visits Maryland and commits within a couple weeks and um well actually she did she not only decommitted I mean she signed with them in November so she had to be released from her NLI which I, I don't think happens unless they fire the coach which they did uh, because Illinois was bad and is is a mess as a program. That's that's um, crazy because they did that with like the men's team too. They've had the same same problem. Like Jeremiah Tillman is one of their big recruit who they then lost. Who's a power forward who you you would have to imagine would actually be pretty good at Maryland. But anyway, so you're them. saying Jeff, so you're saying if if we're gonna keep these parallels, uh, he's definitely <laughs> confirmed. Brandon, you you heard it here was. first. Okay. Oh, I didn't think of it that's, that way, but that's very good, we, Thomas there, yeah. and Ryan. I'm proud of both of you. Yeah, I mean, when you know, on that track, like when I heard Sean Obi was transferring, I was like, "Well, you you all know who the who you know where the last Duke grad transfer ended up, right?" <laughs> and and well, I said that, that as a joke. Obvious, didn't it? I, I mean, said that as a joke, and then the dude ended up coming to Maryland. And I was like, "Oh." Well, I I was always kind of I was just figured he would end up at Maryland, and I wonder if that's because. I run a Maryland website and am a student at Maryland, but like, it just seemed, it just kind of seemed like that would, like it would end up that way, right? Well, I like, mean, even I, if you weren't a, a student or a fan or a journalist responsible for covering Maryland athletics, you'd look at that and you'd say, well, Maryland likes to use the grad transfer market very well. They have a big need at this certain position, which this guy fills, and the last Duke grad transfer ended up at Maryland. You connect all of those dots, and it suddenly doesn't seem that illogical. Yeah, no, it, it never seemed illogical, but they had no... I don't think Turgeon and Obi had, like, any kind of connections before this. Well, so, you, know, I mean, you don't it, have it to. Yeah, I mean, these things, you know, it's, it's funny how they work out. So uh, Anyway, back uh, to uh, the women's... But in this, we got I... Off track. I in this, I mean, I'll, I'm talking to Brenda soon, and we'll figure out, um, you know, I'll, I'm actually kind of intrigued to know how, how this went down. Um, and I think now that she, she signed this week, so 
um, we can we can talk about that. Um, yeah, and you know that'll put them at eleven players for next season. With you know they'll start the season with ten, and then halfway through uh, this Florida midseason transfer, Eliana Kristinaki will be eligible, and she'll probably be their best player immediately. Um, so <laughs> that, it, that's it, a it great is sign. Be, yeah, no, it's going to be a very, very interesting season. But with uh, Lewis aboard, you know, their biggest hole has, you know, at least been filled to an extent. So we get the women's basketball recruiting scoop and the men's basketball recruiting scoop all in one show. And we somehow mix the commentaries together. It's what we do on this podcast. It's also the end of April and a lot of stuff is going on. Uh, Jared, I want to now get to uh, spring sports because we should talk about those. They, they still do exist. Um, what would you like to talk about with regards to the spring sports before we get to Maryland and the NFL draft? Uh, well, I guess I would do baseball. You could uh, talk about baseball. That is totally fine because they're good sweet. again. Okay, so, yeah, baseball uh, for the first time since uh, the preseason, I believe, is ranked on the top 25 in all or, or three of the major polls, uh, D1 Baseball, Baseball America, and Perfect Game, all have Maryland in the top 25. So that's, uh, I guess, I guess that's a good thing. You know, if you're a, if well, you're a Maryland fan. So. I mean, if you're, you're yeah. ranked, you're probably somewhat decent at sports. Right. So they're on a, uh, a seven game win streak. Uh, they're 18 and one at home this year. So, you know, they're, they're pretty much killing it on all fronts right now. And uh, they're up to number 27 in RPI as well. So they're uh, they're improving their own record, and and the teams they're playing and beating seem to be pretty good as well. So you know that's that's a positive heading into the postseason. Um, so you know they're they're at the top of the Big Ten, and you can't really ask for much more. They are. When does the postseason start? I don't know. <laughs> That not is not for a bit, right? Because like the college world yeah, baseball is like the end of June. It's really weird. You always have people missing their graduation for it and things like that. Yeah, uh, it's it's know. definitely late. Yes. So baseball is good. Uh, Maryland lacrosse is always good. Who wants to talk about lacrosse at the moment? Because I know those two seasons are coming closer and closer to their conclusions. Who wants to get that? Well, we got we got the Hopkins game this weekend. That'll oh probably... yeah, that's a big deal. That that that's a big deal. A big as deal. I've learned, but covering uh, as I have learned and joked with many people when I'm covering a D three school that is also in the conference that Johns Hopkins is in outside of lacrosse. I've made that joke about a thousand times this year covering those games, and I think I'll make it even more in the future. So, uh, what else on the lacrosse front is going on besides Hopkins? Besides Hopkins. Well, not – I feel – I mean, it's weird. With Maryland lacrosse, it's like there's almost not that much news because it's, oh, Maryland lacrosse is still good. Well, that's great. I'll check back, and, you know, in May when they're playing for the championship. Yeah, I guess right? so. Anything from you on that, Jared? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as, as, uh, as Ryan on that where, you know, you kind of – I just expect them to be good and they're good and you know it's more surprising when things don't go well than when they do to be to be honest with you uh i think matt rambo is pretty close to uh taking over for or taking over the number one spot in maryland history and points scored so that's a, a good thing also yeah that that was that's obviously there he was great last year and uh he was always uh, somebody who Always found a way to score. Uh, so that that's going on, and I don't know about I don't know about softball if that's still a bit of a disaster. It might still be. Softball is not going well. I think we you know we can't not talk about uh, Maryland women's lacrosse, which well, I believe is still too. still the number one uh, unbeaten, amazing, awesome juggernaut well, team they that they usually like are. That? <laughs> yeah. They they usually are, but it's I mean. Were they? How long did they go undefeated last year? I, I don't exactly know. All the way to the title game. Yeah, wow, well, there you go. And they are well on their way to doing that this year, although, you know, God forbid Maybe North Carolina comes in. Next. Extra. Maybe They're the that. best team on campus. Well, they always yes. are. They always tend yeah, to be. No, they're, 
Yeah, of course. Thomas, what were you about to say about uh, North Carolina, I think? No, it was, I mean, you know, hopefully they can get to that title game undefeated and then win the title game. Um, yeah. It's a nice wish. Um, uh, and on softball, because I think you know, I think you know something about softball more than we do. Oh, uh, well, they're still putting the team out on the field. <laughs> well, that, 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 that's good. That's very good. Okay, let's go on to the NFL draft, because by the time you are listening to this, uh, it will be draft night. It is in Philadelphia, and I am not going to it, because you don't need to go to the art museum when otherwise, you know. It's, it's not as much fun doing the Rocky Steps as you think it is, if you have never been. Just saying from somebody who's a resident. Uh, Maryland uh, draft prospects, there aren't many. There obviously isn't a first-round talent, but there are a couple of notable players, Ryan. Uh, the most notable being Will Likely. I have not been in as much on the NFL draft stuff this year as I probably should be. I don't know where he'd be projected to be drafted because he's really small and therefore probably not the best as a corner. Maybe more as a return guy, special teams kind of player. Uh, where do we think he might get drafted? Where do we think other Maryland prospects might end up being drafted if they're drafted at all? So not a super Maryland filled draft as no. as may shock you. Um, Likely, like likely last year. Not like last likely year there is uh, players. Exactly. One of them is a very good NFL team, in case you haven't heard. What are you talking about, Yannick Ngakwe or what, what do you, who do you think Davis? I'm talking about? What well, usually you when you for? usually you don't you refer to them as a very good team, but anyway. No, um, no, 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 no. I think they they suck, except for Yannick Ngakwe, who set the Jaguars rookie uh, sack record. Fair, fair. Um, yeah, likely is. He is projected he as the number one Maryland pick. He's still projected late sixth or seventh round or undrafted. Um, Maryland, there's there's a chance Maryland sees will likely and Michael Dunn both both get drafted. Um, Dunn is definitely more likely to just go undrafted, I think. But you know, you never know. He could sneak into the back couple rounds. Uh, but those are really the only two that could get drafted. There's a whole host of players who might. And will get you know catch on somewhere as an undrafted free agent. Alvin Hill, it's first one that comes to mind. Teldrick Morgan, Lever and Jacobs, uh, and anyone else? Anyone else out there missing guys? I mean, I'll be Tawa if you technically count him as a Maryland player. <laughs> hey, he's he's going to be doing better than anyone else. Which, Trey Edmonds well, I mean, has uh, made some noise. Trey Edmonds, right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because he's too. he's a guy. I remember when I talked to uh, Corey Chavis for CBS Sports. Uh, back near the beginning of the season, he kind of gave me a rundown of who he thought would be, you know, potentially NFL or even just training camp players for Maryland. And he put a good, even back then, he put, you know, some stock on uh, Trey Trey Edmonds too, sort of just as a special teams player, which that could really end up being really, like if you're an undrafted free agent, special teams is, if you're going to end up anywhere on any team, it's going to be for special teams more more likely than not. So I, I can see that. Anybody have any differing opinions on that? Because I tend to agree with everything that Ryan said. This was not a great year for Maryland players to enter the NFL, mostly. Yeah, it was pretty solid. I, I also, I'd be interested in seeing what you guys think. Because even next year, Maryland's NFL draft prospects, I feel like aren't, you know, there's no one who really sticks out. You Jermaine Carter, you feel like will go somewhere near the end, but you're not totally sure. After he sort of uh, he had a rough adjustment to the new scheme this year. Uh, I mean, the one you th- you think DJ Moore probably wouldn't leave after his junior year, but with a with with a good season with a good quarterback, I I could potentially see that happening if you know if everything breaks right for him. But there's no there's not you know I think we're gonna be waiting a couple years before we get a draft that was as surprisingly good as last year's was. I'm interested in Jesse Annabonum as a pro prospect, but yes, uh, you're right. I'm interested to see in general just what he's what what he brings yeah. next year. The last couple of Maryland defensive ends, even if they were pretty good, they haven't been catching on as pro prospects. Like Andre Monroe set all those records, and as a small defensive end, didn't really do much. You know, there's all those kinds of players in that in that ilk, and I I, I guess that's where Andy Bonham falls into, but I, I couldn't tell you. I, I, I'm trying to work out in my head like who my NFL team might draft, and that's enough of a headache that focusing on Maryland players who might get drafted in the 6th and 7th round is something entirely different altogether. 
I mean, I'd like to see Will Likely get drafted because of what he did for Maryland for those years, and it obviously sucked that he injured himself at the in the what was it the Minnesota game, and then just didn't play the rest of the year, which was a darn shame because he was awesome. <laughs> but he's he's one of those players that feels like more of a college success story rather than somebody who could make noise in the NFL, I guess. He does, but I think the you know the return game is really like he is he's at I think five seven, which it's about my height. Shorter is, than shorter than me. Is uh, that still? I don't think prohibits you from being a return man, but definitely a corner. It is is a huge liability. We had this. We had a piece go up today, um, and I quoted uh, Lance Zierlein. I'm gonna screw that up. I don't know how to pronounce him from NFL.com, who gave a surprisingly kind of positive review for Will Likely, um, and saying a lot about how he. You know, yes, his size is definitely his biggest downside, but uh, but you know he's he could be a slot corner in the NFL, which sort of requires not as much height and more speed and agility, which certainly thinks he has more than enough of. Um, but I'm, yeah, I like because it feels like if he, I'd be very curious to see what would have happened if he ended up leaving last year. Would he have been more of a sure? seventh or sixth round pick as opposed to now where he might get picked there or he might be an undrafted free agent. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I could see all of that as well, but who who, who knows? It, it's the NFL draft, and none of, no Maryland play. What was the last time a Maryland player was drafted in the first round? Was that Hayward Bay? Yep. <sighs> Got to be the last one. He was. Okay, good, 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 good work, Thomas. You did more prep than uh, we did. Um, Whoa. Well, the explanation of the story not too long ago, here's how long it's been for every team. And I think, Yikes. I mean, Maryland's like kind of middle of the pack in that, really. Um, I think Iowa State is the longest. They haven't had one since 73. Oh, well, we're at least we're not Iowa State then, I guess. You, you got to think if Maryland, you know, however long DJ Jorgens here, with the number of better recruits they're bringing in, you got to think one of them will turn, up, turn out to be a first-round pick anyway. Someday. Someday, I mean, when you see three Ohio State defensive backs basically get drafted <laughs> in the first round, and Maryland hasn't had yeah. one since what? 08? What was uh, Hayward Bay? Something like that? 2009. Okay, 2009, close enough. I mean, when you see three Ohio State defensive backs get drafted in the first round in one year, and then Maryland has been waiting eight years for somebody to be drafted in the first round, uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. But, but the, again, Maryland is not Ohio State. Arguably, the bigger thing is just the idea that, especially this year and maybe even next year, not that they don't have a first-round pick, but that if you were to go through rounds two through five, that Maryland's probably not going to have even one player there. Uh, you got to think, I mean, with all of the talented recruits coming in, that Maryland have a better, like, middle-of-the-draft kind of presence, you know, getting a couple people there. Even because last year, you know, Quinn Jefferson being – a bigger deal than I think we kind of expected Quentin Jefferson to be. And I mean, 10 times that for Sean Davis, really. Uh, and he, even Ngakwe played better than I ever thought he was going to play for the Jaguars. Yeah. And, and I imagine he, cause everyone just expected him to be only a pass rusher and wasn't really sure how maybe he'd project at the next level. And I mean, he, he ended, was up, the ended up being pretty good. Defensive lineman all year. <laughs> Trust me when I say that. He was way, that's way, worth. way better than the top three pick in 2014 or 15, whatever the hell we picked Dante Fowler. I like to forget that the Jaguars actually did that because uh, it was it was bad. Uh, anyway, I think that the one thing to say at the end of the show, and we, we mentioned it off the top, that we're recording this on Wednesday when a lot of people at, uh, at ESPN lost their jobs, and we're all sports journalists. We all love this industry, so it's very tough to see that happen. Uh, any thoughts on that briefly before we go, I guess? Because it, it, it does suck. I mean, it, does, it doesn't Elmore make us feel better. Yeah, it. Len Elmore also, but he wasn't with ESPN all that much. He'll probably end up going to Fox and do some of the Big Ten games that Len, Fox has. Len, Len Elmore is also, he's pretty much, that's a gig you do when you're basically retired, right? Well, he's been he's, just, he's been doing this for forever and a half, so it's not. Right. I mean, it's not like, I mean, there are but there are tons of writers, a lot of college football writers for ESPN got let go. Yeah. Some of them covered the Big Ten, you know. Yeah, they... Well, I was curious that, I mean, they did have a good number of Big Ten reporters, at least like three or four, and I saw a couple of them Them no longer have jobs. And it's it's weird because people at ESPN, it's you feel bad for them because people lost their jobs and, you know, a lot of people say a lot of things at ESPN, but most people were saying it was, it was pretty nice to work there. And 
hey, I mean, it's it's it'll be interesting now. You know, we, when we right, get right out of college, we're not exactly competing with the ESPN people. You know, maybe some of us are, but it would be uh, it's it makes the the scary job market for journalists just just a little bit scarier. Yeah, but you know, we have opportunities like this one, and there are <laughs> there are plenty. There are plenty out there, and more will end up creating themselves in the future because that's just how this business works. But it was a weird – it was definitely not a fun day to look at all of the people that got let go, and particularly when it's in a field that you are very passionate about and you like a lot, whether it's writing or whether it's being on TV or anything of that ilk. It, it's tough, but, you know, it kind of motivates you more. Certainly it does for me. And, uh, you know, we don't get paid for any of this. We do it because we genuinely love doing this, and we love Maryland, so, you know – scary but not not too bad not 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 as bad as it could be i guess you know we 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 figured out ways to to work it around but all of us are good so hopefully you'll see us in places that aren't here at some point in the future i guess you and jared you and you and thomas don't have to worry about that for a few years ryan and i have to start really kind of freaking out about that at some point (laughs) yeah yeah, we'll get there I think we'll all I think we'll all make it work. There will be jobs for all of us. So that was a good show. Ryan, how did you like the uh, three-person podcast, considering you didn't think you had ever been on one when you had been? You know, it was it was okay. There's I feel like three people is probably the number one. I feel like we you know we kicked Thomas to the curb a little bit today, but I'm sure he'll be back he's, in the next he's one. Here. He's here. He was talking. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think three is really the magic number for a podcast. Maybe even two. But I think you know we we did we did it. We we I, can make it work. It's it's yeah. not high, as hard as you around. think. It's not as hard as you think it is. It just needs a good host to tie it all together. There there you go. Uh, I had to pump my own tires. But thank you for everybody. Uh, there's a lot of Maryland news that had come out in the past couple of weeks. I would assume something similar for the wait for the next podcast while we kind of wait for something to happen. If something big Maryland basketball wise comes along or. You know, there are some recruiting bits of news that come along. We'll definitely be sure to pass that along to you. But we have really hit the sort of dead period for Maryland sports, which kind of sucks. But we make we make do with things. And, of course, stay tuned for our reaction if a Maryland player does get drafted or where they end up as a UDFA. Because it's pretty safe to say even if some of these players don't get drafted, they will end up getting signed somewhere. Thank you to everybody, Jared, Thomas, and Ryan, for all being here. It was great to have you on. And your analysis was all fantastic. Appreciate it. Thank I, you. Uh, you know, Matt, you're fantastic. I know I am. Thank you for pumping my tires. It feels really good to say some, somebody say to me, hey, Matt, you're really good at something for once. Anyway, that, that, that was a bit darker way to end the show. But anyway, it's all right. Uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, follow on iTunes and SoundCloud and all the rest. But, of course, go Terps. Go Terps.